0: A Minnesota widow on an unexpected new mission, raising awareness for first responders who are self-medicating to cope. Her story of love, loss, and unbreakable faith is next. Annalie Tupi lost her husband, 31-year-old Montgomery police officer Brian Tupi, two years ago. He was also a father to their baby boy, Desmond. Annalie, thank you so much for being willing to talk about all you've been through with the hope that it helps others. I know your story certainly has already, and our sympathy uh, for your loss. Thank you for
1: being here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I heard you speak recently at a Heroes Helping Heroes event and then asked if you'd be willing to, to share it again here, but But let's uh, just start by talking about your late husband. Um, I know really the the love of your life. Ian, He had a love for service early on in life as well.
1: Yes. He definitely uh, an authentic man in all of his hobbies, all the things that he has done. He started out as a marine biologist, um, so he actually went to UND and got his degree in fishery and wildlife biology, worked on the Bering Sea in Alaska for a few months on and off, and was the marine biologist um, on those fishing boats and had a really great time, really great experience doing so before coming back and being a full-time police officer.
0: Yeah, he came back to, to Minnesota uh, to his home state. And he was a firefighter, I know, as well. He kind of really did it all. What was it, though, about serving and protecting that drew him to to the job?
1: He loved and felt very honored that in people's times of crisis, that they were the ones that they call and that he could be there to help and support them through that. And he had a passion for law and order.
0: I know you didn't know it back then, but but talk about um, there was a car accident. I know that Brian was involved with that would change the course of his life, of your life. And I know we have pictures of, of the car, too. It's really miraculous that that he even survived when you see the pictures.
1: Yeah. So I was actually living out in Colorado at the time. We were doing long distance. And because he was a fireman, one of the firemen contacted me that night saying, hey, if you haven't heard, give me a call. I called him, and at that time, everyone was still on scene. Um, and they told me that they had to get the jaws of life out, and that he was alive, but they weren't sure what was. They weren't really sure what the injuries consisted of.
0: And and he actually didn't have too many injuries, but he's also ultimately experiences a, a lot of pain, and he's put on medication uh, because of that accident, right? On painkillers.
1: Yes. So he, he left. Um, he walked away with that accident with a few days in the hospital. He did have a very, his body was very bruised. He had a few staples and his head. The main injury that created the road, um, which uh, changed a lot was his foot. He, we called it the robo foot or the zombie foot because it was very badly damaged in that car accident and really decreased his range of motion. Um, and as we know, the feet are just, especially as a cop, you're on your feet a lot, and so that created a lot of injury for him for the next few years.
0: And and he ultimately is given um, a prescription for, for painkillers, and he's kind of using them off and on, but you talk about, you know, years passing. They're good years. You're married. He's working uh, but also, there's a lot of trauma that that comes along with the job, uh, that comes along with being a cop that perhaps many uh, don't talk about, but it takes a toll.
1: Yes. The car accident happened in 2016, and we got engaged in 2016, married in 2018. It definitely created the trauma that police officers had seen. And of course, I had then expected him to come home and be a husband, be a father. And that just created a lot of the things that police officers see on a daily basis, heartache and abuse and PTSD and the things that are seen and called to is just not something school can prepare a person for. He had a hard time with a lot of what he had seen and experienced.
0: And to cope with with some of that, you discover that Brian is numbing that pain uh, from the accident, fr- from what he's seeing kind of day in, day out with his continued use of of painkillers and alcohol. When it was it for you that you realized uh, that your husband uh, needed help and what did you do?
1: For me, it was about 13 months after we got married. Uh, we did not live together before marriage, which I don't want that to deter people. I strongly recommend. But of course, after you live with someone, you really discover a lot about them. And so about 13 months after we had been married, I there were some habits in between there that I was c- kind of creating a red flag. Um, and there was an event that at that kind of about that 13-month mark, I realized that this was not just drinking for fun, but there was trauma behind it. And it was a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Um, at the time, I didn't quite know of the use of pain medication quite as extreme as it was. Um, That was discovered kind of later on throughout it. But then for my husband, he discovered that it was more of an issue about four months after we had our son. So about January of um, 2021 is when he realized that this was more um, of a conflict that he really needed to get some help with.
0: And I know he's able to get some help and and you experienced some some wonderful times uh, with your young family at that time. But, but talk about that.
1: Brian, especially as a police officer, Brian never truly saw it as a problem because you kind of see the worst of the worst. So what you imagine to be someone that struggles with addiction or an unhealthy relationship with alcohol um, and pain medication, he didn't use it on a regular basis, meaning like he didn't use it daily, weekly. For sure, monthly. And so we had a lot of great, we were always on the go. We did a lot of fun family road trips. And once he did come to terms that it was an issue and he got some help, he was completely sober for six weeks. And it was an incredible six weeks. He talked about it. He could tell that he was healthier. He felt better. His body. Was able to keep up more. It all really changed, and it was a really incredible six weeks that we had, where alcohol and pain medication were not a problem, and we had a very fun family road trip as a family. In there, we did a lot of fun things throughout our marriage, but especially those last six weeks were very incredible.
0: Then talk about what what happens next. It's really something as simple as someone offering Brian a drink at at a party that breaks his sobriety.
1: Yeah, it was um, something as simple as a child's birthday party with some of our friends. And, you know, he, because he hid so much of his pain and PTSD and he didn't want to admit that this was a problem at all, um, none of his friends knew. None of his, no one knew that he had struggled with this. And so when we get together, of course, everyone's offering each other drinks. And Brian said no at first. But of course that kind of surprised the friends. So they were like, really? Toopy doesn't want a beer? Like, come on, just, they weren't pressuring. They were just surprised. So he, I don't want to say he caved, but he did. He had a beer and a week and a half later is when he had passed away. It was just introducing that sip of alcohol again, that created, um, that broke that sobriety and created a new cycle.
0: And when I heard you speak before, Annalie, you talk about this. Um, you go to bed one night and and you discover your your husband, just thirty-one years old, uh, in the garage uh the next morning. He died of an accidental overdose, not something he ever wanted uh to do, but but take us back a, a couple years ago, um, you know, just that discovery and how you've been able to, you know, even even have this conversation here here today, what, what has pulled you through?
1: That, you know, early on in our marriage, we kind of decided, especially because many of the arguments stemmed from the drinking, um, we decided that it wasn't completely worth staying up and fighting. That's a very common, you know, phrase is don't go to bed angry. And we kind of decided it was okay to go to bed angry because then things were said that were hurtful. So we decided early on that we would go to bed and talk about it in the morning. And so that is what happened um, that Sunday night. He had a few drinks um, and created, it created some arguments. He wanted to talk about it. And I had said, you know, I'm done talking about it for tonight. We'll talk about it in the morning. And I know it was an accidental overdose. Um, I know that he never intended this to happen. Not only, Not saying that as a naive wife or anything, but I do know how he would have taken his life. And this was not a part of it. I know he wanted to get help. He expressed it numerous times. He was actively seeking help through a variety of sources. And that night, he just took a few of his pain medication that he had on standby and mixed it with alcohol and too much of the pain medication with the combination of of the alcohol, and my husband wasn't in bed. So I started looking around. Our son was eight months old and found him in our garage. A large part of how I'm able and why I want to talk about it now is my faith. Um, Christ has really given me the strength to be able to talk about this. And share our story um, to help encourage others in a variety of ways.
0: No, you've shown this picture before, Annalee, but it's your your wedding day, and then you know just fast forwarding a short time later to walking behind your husband's casket. Talk about your your faith story and why this has been such an important part of of all of this, um, the most important, uh, really. But encouraging others to to start a relationship uh, with the Lord. It's it's what ha- has helped you uh, weather this storm.
1: Absolutely. I say it all the time. I don't know how people go through uh, such an immense loss um, and just the trauma of finding him. I don't know how people get through it without a foundation in Christ. I was able and I'm continuing to get through it uh, because I know that God's plans are greater than my own. I know that Brian is in heaven, and i'm I miss him immensely, but it gives me such peace that he is in heaven, and that there's no better place to be. That's all of our end goal um and so with this, I grew up Christian, but I didn't really have a relationship with Christ until about my sophomore year of college, and that has changed the course of my life immensely and it's been about 11 years that I spend working on a relationship and with God and reading his word and trusting him and praying and I know it can sound very um cliche but I do if I didn't have that foundation this time of, of adversity and grief really would have taken me as well it's a different level of mental and physical and emotional pain that I've never been able to experience and articulate. But having that foundation with Christ and that relationship has really, there's that verse, peace that surpasses all understanding. I knew it. I heard it many times, but once now going through this and after losing Brian, it's hit me in a completely different way that I understand having Christ does that. He provides that peace and joy, so that does surpass all understanding. I, I've never known that I could experience such conflicting emotions all in one time. I am so heartbroken and shattered, and I feel such heartache so much. And then at the same time, and anger. There's a lot of. There's been a lot of anger that I not necessarily like to admit but with that piece as well and it's it's been quite the journey figuring out how to live with both of them
0: you've also said Annalee, that you want to remind people that it is okay to to accept help that there is a community there uh waiting for you and especially you know i think your your message is is poignant to to first responders to police officers who think they you know, have to to be big and tough on the outside, just, just like your husband?
1: Yes. He said all the time that people say, this is what we sign up for. It's part of the job. He's okay. He's the man. He wants to put on this front. And I've really discovered that not only living through this, but also getting to know so many other first responders that have hardships community is there. And I think it's important to be vulnerable. So you guys can, so people, all of us can come alongside each other and walk with each other. That That's what Christ has intended as far as community and love and walking alongside each other through our hardships. And talking about it is huge, of course, with a trusted community um, and keeping those feelings safe, but also knowing it's okay to seek help and that people Are more than willing to and want to love on others and help others. But if they don't know that people are hurting, they don't know how to help. And there are so many out there that are hurting, but don't want to talk about it because they're the man or it's part of the job or they just have to suck it up and move on. And so organizations like Heroes Helping Heroes, it's great that they can come alongside each other and talk about it or just have that camaraderie that they can do fun things in a safe environment that with a group of people that understand.
0: How are you and Desmond doing today? I know you've received a a lot of support, family, friends, your workplace. I know it has been wonderful, but how are you guys doing
1: there? It's definitely been a journey. I trust God's plan. It's been extremely difficult. I continue to have good days and bad days, and it's learning to live with grief, grief and this loss Um, they don't go away. People that have experienced close, immense loss, I'm sure can understand and relate that it doesn't go away. You just learn to live with the grief and navigate it and you grow with it and you continue to move forward. You can never move on, but you move forward. And Desmond's been a huge lifesaver for me. He keeps me going. He is a very busy two and a half year old now, and I'm thankful for him. Um, and we're doing good. We have an incredible support between my work, my family, Brian's family, um, all, all of our friends, both sides, my friends, his friends. So we've been very blessed with an incredible support. And especially my widow friends, my Wisters, we call them. They have also been incredible um, just to see how you can grow and give encouragement with each other. So it's definitely uh community that has helped us.
0: Yeah, I'm sure so many communities you wish that you were never a part of now, but thank you so much for, for speaking up uh, to, to help other people. It is such an important uh, message, and I know um, certainly uh, your your story has has already helped many. So, Annalie Tupi, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And if you'd like to donate, there is a GoFundMe to help Annalie, now a single mom raise her two-year-old Desmond. You'll also find the link on our website. That will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll see you next time.